Welcome to the Legacy of Our African-American Lives podcast, where our stories become oral histories to uplift, empower, and enrich the next generation. My name is Tangela Irby, and I am your host. I would like you to join me in welcoming another member of my family. I would like you to meet Christopher Irby. Hi, Chris. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being with us today. You know, Chris, I have been jumping at the opportunity to get you on the podcast because, as you know, I spend a lot of time talking about legacy, talking about family stories and how important it is to pass this information down to the next generation. And when I thought about our family, I could not miss the opportunity to have you because you were out of all the grandkids on the Irby side of the family. You were the one in my mind, who had the opportunity of spending the most time with our grandparents in Alabama. Right. right. So I would like you to first start off by introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about yourself in terms of your background, and then we'll get into the family history, all those nuggets that you have that many of us didn't have access to just because we were so far away. So yeah. please, Chris, tell us about yourself. Yeah. My name is uh, Chris Furby. I'm the son of Rose Irby. I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. I moved to Alberta, Alabama, maybe at the age of one or two. And pretty much I was raised by my grandmother, uh, Jency Irby. I went to school down there in Camden, graduated high school from there, went off to the Navy, got stationed in California, did about three years in the Navy. Once I got out, moved to Atlanta. I worked and went to school, ended up working in telecom, IT, and now I'm doing uh, IT security. And so thank you for giving us that background information in terms of where you've been um, and what you did after you left Alberta, Alabama. So thank you so much for sharing that. But let's talk a little bit. I know you think back to when you were one, that was a long time ago, right? Right, right. So right. <laughs> you, can bring it, you can bring it forward a little bit more than that. But talk to me a little bit about, I remember, you know, we would go down some summers, not even every summer. And I was able to spend time with our grandparents. And I remember grandma being, a, you know, she was a tall woman. Yeah. You know, she was definitely the type of woman who walked into the room and you knew she was in the room. Exactly, I, exactly. I also knew that, you know, she was able to read and write. She was a secretary in the church, um, very active. But what was it like being there with her? Tell us a little bit about that. My grandmother taught you to be resourceful early in life. Um, from time to time, she would, you know, work at the Quinby down the street. You know, our grandfather was, you know, he had a stroke and half his body was pretty much paralyzed. So at the age of maybe eight or nine, I was kind of taking care of him until she, you know, came back from working. So making sure he got coffee, his snuff, and making sure he moved around, cooked some food sometime, turned on his TV to watch Price is Right. So, Price is uh, Right. Yeah, so pretty much, um, you know, at a young age, she kind of, you know, put that responsibility on you and kind of, you know, teach you how to be resourceful. Um, and when I see you, when I think about you now, I, I see you as being a caregiver and, and looking out for your family and doing some of those things. So I know some of that is a part of who you are today. Exactly. You, you mentioned the quilting bee. So I just yes. wanted, and again, that was a long time ago, but what do you yeah. remember from the Freedom Quilting Bee and Grandma's uh, part? The Freedom Quilting Bee, the head of it was uh, Estella Willispoon. She um, kind of had all the ladies down there working pretty much. And uh, 
for us as kids, um, during the summer, sometime they would provide maybe like free lunches or something like a thing like turkey sandwich, bologna sandwich or whatever. And that would be our whole highlight of uh, getting that free meal. So the free and meal was kind of like, it kind of gave back to the community somewhat. It provided employment from, you know, for people in a small little town. Wilcox County is like maybe one of the poorest counties in Alabama. It's been underserved for years and, and still is underserved to this day, I would say. Things are changing, but they are changing very slowly. Right. I also want to ask you, because I know for myself, we have one of Grandma Agency's quilts that okay. she gave to us when, when we were younger. And so my question to you is, do you have any of her quilts? I don't have any of them unless um, when I left for the Navy, unless Jen have some from somewhere. A lot of her quilting, I don't know, was it in the old house before it got burned down? <laughs> maybe Jen, maybe my mom, maybe Chris or Tusi or somebody, one of them, maybe they have some stuff. I, I didn't get any of it. You know, I was told that a lot of her quilts actually did burn in that fire. Right. Um, and I believe that was in the early 80s, if I had yeah, to that's guess. Exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. So you... About eight or nine or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Right. Um, and the quilt that we have from grandma is actually one of the quilts that's in my book. Okay. It's okay. the quilt, okay. it's the quilt in the book that actually sparked the entire conversation about what is a G's Ben quilt. A lot of us, for whatever reason, we don't have those quilts. And I wanted right. to be able to share the one that I do have, you know, with the family and with the rest of the world. There was also a time when the ladies at the quilting bee, they were actually making stuffed animals. Do you have any memory of that? I don't have no memory of stuff. I don't seem like she would have brought some of that, some of that to the house. All I can remember <laughs> is, um, you know, she had the quilts and then she had the, she always had a sewing machine. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know if, uh, you know, Aunt Jen, I, I think she might've picked up a lot of that sewing because for a while, I think she was working at some plant in Salem and they were making a lot of stuff and, and stuff of that nature. I remember grandma also used to make her own clothes. I think I remember like some pillowcases, uh, corduroy pillowcases or something. I know I had a pillow or something. That, I don't know if she made it. I think she did. I could be wrong. And, and using corduroy is actually one of the signature things that you'll find in a jeans being quilt because at one point they were, they had a contract and they were making things with corduroy. And yep. so we know that they use all, nothing was thrown away. They used yep. all the scraps and they ended up finding exactly. their way into, into quilts. So along the lines of living with our grandparents, picking up things, if I were to ask you about a lesson that you were taught. The biggest thing is, you know, being respectful of your elders knowing how to act when you're out in public, pretty much, you know, you represent the family, you represent her, <laughs> you basically show it out and stuff of that nature. And, you know, either she'll hear about it or that person right there on the spot will, will check you on it. So it was more like a community was uh, together raising children pretty much. And do you think we moved away from that when you think oh, about- Oh yeah, a lot, a lot. Because um, I remember times I got in trouble in elementary school and uh teacher said she was going to call my grandmother. She came up there one day. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I'm scared to death. So. Well, I have one question. How many times did grandma have to go to school because of something that you did? Maybe once, maybe twice, maybe. Because back then, um, you know, the teachers were able to either see you to the principal. Elementary school, you know, a principal, Mr. Suggs, and 
you don't you don't want to go to the thug's office for anything. You know, this guy will whip you. He had like a leather cowbell or something crazy. You don't want none of that. <laughs> well, and that was a time back then when they they would do that, and it was my understanding yeah. that I think that that it was fairly recent. Then that was changed. That yeah, it had, been, it had been that way for a long time. Yes. So now, when you think about people who are raising children, and you know that that's not what we uh, that's not what we expect to uh, to hear about, right? right? So, what are some of the ways that? And I know that you have grandchildren in your home, right? So, how do you? Oh, that's that's tough. Because <laughs> uh, back in my day, I remember the guy hitting the mouth, I hit with a flip flop or something. I mean, immediately, it wouldn't even be nothing to talk about. Mm-hmm. you know you just have to check like hey you know you're a kid I'm like, you're talking to a grown person so you need to change your tone or do something and there's a balance now because as an educator we know that you want children to be inquisitive you want them to ask questions you want them you know to let you know how they're feeling and if you think about how some of us grew up we grew up in a situation where kids were supposed to be seen and not heard Kids weren't supposed to question things. And I think we've learned now that, you know, there's a balance between that because if you don't allow a child to express themselves, if you don't allow a child to ask questions, what happens is they'll go through life, not sticking up for themselves, not saying what's on their mind and not asking questions when they see things that they don't really don't understand. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. So what else do you credit when you think of the man you are today? Are there other things that you credit that Southern upbringing for? The biggest thing for my grandmother is basically, no matter what you do, try to keep God first in your life. It's, at some point in time, you can be a doctor, whatever it is, but um, everything starts from there and, and builds off that pretty much, I would say. So she always either kept me in church or I went to Sunday school, you know, every Sunday. It wasn't no, oh, you're going to sit in the house and chill. Nah. <laughs> so religion was important to her. Exactly. You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with my brother and this came up as well. As, you know, as a people, we see church as a place of refuge. That no matter what's going on in your life, you know, you can always go back, you know, and, and what they would say back then is give it to God. You know, right. take it to the altar and, right. and you know, leave it there. You know, that was right. a huge piece. Uh, I have to um, ask you, so think again about growing up in the South and what was a typical day for you? Because there weren't a lot of things, when we think about things that kids have access to right now, you know, and I'll just start with the computer. I got an Atari. I was the only one around that had Atari for a hot minute. And it came with maybe two cartridges, something with Pac-Man and something with Combat Zone. And Everybody was coming over the house playing it, and my grandma was only letting it play it like an hour or so. Mm-hmm. And then you got to cut it off and go do some homework or do something. They got to go, pretty much. Thing messed around and went out. It, it only lasts maybe maybe a little under a year, and then it started blanking out. That was the end of that. Grandma's house was a little different from everybody else's house. I mean, she had the, you know, she had a garden in the back, mm-hmm. pretty much um, greens, peas, and she had you back there picking them and she'll go make you go pick some blackberries she's gonna make some blackberry turnover or whatever so it was a lot of um living off the land i would say somebody will kill a hog or something to give her a piece of meat and she make crackling or something out of it 
it was a lot of living off the land. Um, yeah, people that went around, they had like a, a fruit truck, they'll say apples, pears, stuff of that nature, wallabillas, pretty much resourceful, living off the land pretty much. And there still isn't a grocery store that's close. It's the store down there, I think is, uh, his name is Hooker, and mm -hmm. he makes a killer because he's the only one down there. Little groceries, little stuff, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. And to get to the store, the, the you either are going to go to Selma or Thomasville, Camden. It used to be two stores in Alabama. I mean, in Alberta. It was it was one where you could catch the gray out there, and then there was another one a white guy had for a long time. And so do you like to go back to visit, or when was the last time that you were able to go back to visit? I was in Selma Thanksgiving, okay. but I haven't been in Alberta in uh, maybe about a year or so. I think last time I spent a little time down there was, uh, I think we had a class reunion and it was in Camden. So basically uh, I was down there for a little while, but I really don't get a chance to, you know, go around and see people they to move somewhere and, and your phone don't work. I go outside of Selma, it's pretty much dead, so. And that's with technology in general. So I was shocked the last time I went down it was late at night, so I had my GPS on, and oh, wow. I was shocked that the GPS lasted from when I turned into going into Alberta. Really? It lasted all the way to my aunt's house, almost near the church. Wow. And now I couldn't get a message out. I couldn't make a phone call, but the GPS actually brought me right to my aunt's house. It is really a challenge because even with talking about the quilts and working with my aunt, for example, we will do something and they want us on Zoom. Well, I can be on Zoom, but I can't get her on Zoom because of the Wi-Fi issues. So the best that we can do is to have her call in to participate. Right. You know, right. I really hope that the day will come when that's not an issue for them because it's, it's an issue of access. There's so many things you cannot do if you don't have access to Wi-Fi. And, and the other thing is, I don't know the position of towers. You got all the trees down there. So if they're riding off the tower, it's, it's really offline of sight, pretty much. So if anything in the way, like bricks or anything like that, the signal's kind of, kind of stopped a little bit. It's so bad that if I'm on the phone with her and we keep getting disconnected, I'll call uh -huh. her back and she'll say, it's raining outside. I don't even know if this is a sore spot. I don't know. This might end the conversation if I ask you this No, 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 no. I have to ask you this question. No, you good. Did you have any unique pets when you were growing up? Oh man, why? Oh man, that's that's cold. <laughs> that's cold. So I, I think this was happening. Nobody ain't really told me. You know, I was a kid. Nobody ain't know nothing. So I had this goat, right? Miss Stella gave her this goat, and originally, I think she wanted it to raise the goat so she could cook them later. You know, she wanted to, you know. Have her something to eat. Want her some goat. So the goat ended up being a pet. So she was like, oh, go take care of the goat. Oh, tie it to the tree. Take up some corn. Do this, do that. Have him eat some weeds and this and that. And the goat would get loose and go eat up all her greens. She'd be mad as I don't know what. <laughs> and the goat pretty much act like a dog. Anything I told him to do, he'd just do it. I was just like, okay. Pull the wagon. I had him doing all kinds of nonsense. So I think the only reason she didn't, that goat didn't end up being barbecued because uh, I, I was attached to him. That's the only, I think that was the only reason he lived that long. I, I really do. 
You know, I have to find it. I don't know. Did I ever send you? I have a picture of us when we were younger, standing no. next to the goat. Oh gosh. I have to find that picture. <laughs> so I, I don't know what happened to the goat because when the house burned down, the goat was up up there where the old house was the whole time, tied up. You know, it was cold, freeze or whatever. And they said the, the goat froze to death. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I go been through a lot of winters. Uh, is so. there um, anything, Christopher, that you want to share just about your upbringing or who you are today that I have not asked you about? Yeah, you know, just I just remember us being more like a community. Everybody looks out for everybody's kids. You know, somebody got a pear tree. We go get some pears. We we kind of bait our way. We fixed our bicycle. We ride bikes all day. You know, that was pretty much it. Uh, we had a candy lady in the neighborhood, Miss Bartha, that we used to buy candy from and move moon pies and stuff of that nature. Mm-hmm. Back then, no, we were poor, but I mean, we didn't know. Mm. <laughs> we had a clue. <laughs> yeah, not a clue at all, right? And you right. were growing up, just for people who know, because obviously they, they wouldn't know this, but you grew up, that was back in the early 70s or mid 70s. I know um, there are a couple years. Uh, there are a couple years difference between the two of us, but not that many. Yeah, I mean, I was born in '72, so and I can't remember when we moved up up the road to Rehoboth. I can't remember what year that was. Mm-hmm. But I know when the house burned, I was more like I was in elementary school. I don't know, eight, nine, ten, something like that. And you, every time you say something, which is why I wanted to do this podcast, you're making me have a memory. So I remember and think going back and thinking about community. So when the house burned down, I remember that the family stayed in, it was an old store. It was Jesse, uh, Jesse store. Yes. Who's also family, correct? Yeah. He's he's, uh, one of my cousins. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we were next door to him and he had built like a brick house. He used to have a, a house himself. I don't know if it burnt down or they just rebuilt it or something, but he pretty much built his own house, which was all brick and stuff wow. like that. Too. So he had maybe one of the nicest houses down there we over mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, I remember we came to visit and I remember one, um, grandma showed me some of the things that she had made. And two, you know, they were always talking about, you know, remedies and how you when something's hurting you what to do and um back then I would have bad leg cramps and I still have them just not as bad now as I used to and I remember her telling me to get the alcohol and rub Mm -hmm. the alcohol on your leg I came home from school or something I don't know what was wrong with me I don't know if I had a fever I was just weak or I'm just sick and I went straight to bed and um it like she had made some tea out some plants that was in front of the house or something something weird some kind of concoction she made, but whatever it did, you know, like next day I was up like, and then they never happened. So going back to access though, and being so far from, you know, town, they didn't have access to doctors. Right. No, not at all. So a lot of times they had to like going back to you be resourceful. So they had to use what they had. And I remember I had chicken pox one time and I had to had to get that uh, cream stuff. Like I couldn't go to school because I think we had an outbreak of everybody was a kitchen chicken box. And so I remember people talking about getting different leaves and things from the garden and they would boil them. And then you would have to drink something, right? Yep, yep, yep. Crazy stuff like carnival oil, which is the nastiest thing in the whole world. I don't know what it did for your health, but it is disgusting. But drink this, boy, stop crying. (laughs) You know, and pretty much you had to do it, right? 
Yeah, he's just like, oh man, this is disgusting. I hope this works. <laughs> I remember watching the Cosby show and Raven Simone would end, they would talk about something and she would end it with, and I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly right. So, so you, they're pretty so you don't know what they're to concoct. You're just like, what is that? I'm like, it, it don't smell good. It don't smell good at all. You sure I need to drink this? Yeah, you need to drink this, boy. Hush. It worked. I, I don't know how. Such good memories and things that I think the younger generation won't be able to tell these stories because their experience is going to be so different. Gotcha. I would like to end this segment with you. Think about, again, this is all about legacy and the next generation. What was it about your upbringing that you want to instill in the next generation? What do you want them to remember or to hold on to? No, we're in a generation where a lot of people are entitled, feel like they're entitled to stuff. You know, coming from a background where I'm from, nobody ain't gave you nothing. Nobody owes you anything. If you want something, you have to go out there and get it. It's nobody else's responsibility for your success but you. And if you're not willing to work and get it, ain't no other way you can get it. You can't, you can't ride off what your mama did, your, your daddy did. You can't ride off none of that. So it's all on you. Absolutely. Well, cousin Christopher, <laughs> it was awesome to spend some time with you. I thank you so much. Yes, for joining us. And Thanks I just have to commend you for a lot of things, Christopher. When I look at you, when I look at the family man that you are, I can't help but think that my grandmother and my grandfather are so proud of you. And you need to know that. I know your mama is too, but I just want to say that I know that they are looking down and they are proud of the man that you are and that the legacy that you are going to carry on. So you keep doing what you're doing. Okay. And I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you for listening to the legacy of our African-American lives podcast. Our next episode will drop on Monday. Continue to listen, learn, and I hope that something was sparked in your memory that you will share with your legacy moving forward.